She won't be able to get her hands on it. What? Was he hallucinating? Who are you talking about? She asked. When you fall in love with the right man, I won't get to walk you down the aisle. I'm sorry. Don't worry about such things now, Dad. Just don't make the same mistakes I made. Don't long for what you can never have. Before you know it, you will have wasted years waiting. And then it's too late. I should have remarried, but I couldn't let her go. Do you mean mother? Yes, he said, his eyes closed. It's all there in the box. I waited too long. When you were little, I didn't know how to tell you. And when you grew up, it didn't seem important. There was never the right time. She softly stroked his hand. Tell me now. There was no accident. Your mother didn't die in a car accident. Cordy was confused. Why would he lie about that? They never talked about her mother, so why was he focusing on her now? Then how did she die? His last words were faint but unmistakable. She didn't. Cordy was numb with grief and shock. Although her father had had the last rites, the parish priest, Father Patrick Anthony, blessed him again and then sat with her until she was ready to leave the hospital room and allow the body to be taken to Neeson Funeral Home. It took a long while for her to let go of her father's hand, to let him go. It was almost five in the morning by the time she reached her brownstone. She went inside and sat at the kitchen table with a cup of hot tea she didn't remember brewing. She had to plan a funeral, she thought. There was so much to do, she didn't know where to start. She should call people, shouldn't she? She picked up a pen to make a list, then put the pen down. Nothing could be gained by calling her father's friends now. She would wait a couple of hours so she wouldn't disturb their sleep. She would also follow his instructions and call the attorney first, she decided. There weren't any relatives to call. The closest thing she had to family were her two best friends. Cordy could have called them from the hospital, but Reagan and her husband Alec were in London for a conference, and Sophie and her husband Jack were on their honeymoon somewhere in Bermuda. Reagan and Sophie loved her father almost as much as she did, and his death was going to devastate them. During morning mass, the priest told the congregation a beloved parishioner, Andrew Kane, had died, and to please keep him in their prayers. Word quickly spread, and by noon, Cordy's home was packed with friends, business associates, clergy, neighbors, and enough food to feed the entire parish. Jared Newton, the family attorney, drove Cordy to the bank to go through the safe deposit box. It was stuffed with stock certificates, bonds, and all sorts of other legal papers. There was also a long, narrow box labeled, For Cordy. Jared made copies of the documents, placed them in his briefcase, and handed the copies in the small box to Cordy. Lifting the lid, she glanced inside and saw a stack of envelopes. She would go through the contents tonight when she was alone. It had taken them less than an hour to make the trip to the bank, and when they turned the corner at the end of her block, they were stopped by the congested traffic. Cars were double-parked in front of her door, and a steady stream of people headed toward her brownstone, many carrying covered dishes. Cordy was touched by the outpouring of sympathy, but she had no idea where she was going to put everyone. The crowd already spilled out onto the steps and sidewalk. It took her a good fifteen minutes to make her way upstairs. Her father's poker friends were sitting together at the dining room table reminiscing. 
She stopped to talk to each one of them, then went up to her bedroom and shut the door. She called Reagan first. Her husband answered. Hi, Alec, she said. How's the conference going? He knew something was wrong the second he heard her voice. What's going on? My father had a heart attack. He didn't make it. Oh, Cordy, I'm so sorry. He wanted details, and she answered each of his questions. Alec was like a brother to her. She didn't have to be strong with him, but his sympathy was bringing all the grief and pain to the surface again, and she couldn't afford to lose control now. Reagan will be back in an hour, he said. I'll have her call you just as soon as... No, if I talk to her now, I'll fall apart, and I have a house full of people and casseroles. Oh, God, there are so many casseroles. Will you call Sophie for me, please? Yes, of course I will. What else can I do? That's all for now. Reagan.